0: Welcome to the ASC podcast, Cytopath Pod. Join special guests to highlight ASC activities in cytopathology education, advocacy, and research. Welcome to a discussion for the American Society of Cytopathology. My name is Natalie Benet. I am a gynecologic and cytopathologist, and I work at the Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm also a member of the ASC's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. Today is my pleasure to welcome a special guest, Ashley Sensky, a program manager at BioVentures for Global Health, in an effort to highlight the ongoing efforts of the um, BVGH. We are here to have a conversation about the upcoming collaboration of their organization with the ASC. Ashley, thank you so much for being here. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, First, I would like to start with a general overview of your organization. Can you please tell us about BVGH, including what is your mission?
1: Yeah, of course. So we are BioVentures for Global Health, or BVGH for short. We're a results-oriented nonprofit dedicated to solving global health issues by forming connections between people, resources, and ideas. So currently, we work in seven countries for our African Access Initiative um, on the African continent. So Nigeria, Kenya, Cote d'Ivoire, Senegal, Cameroon, Rwanda, and Lesotho. So one of the main things we do is we connect our key hospital partners in our target countries to... The resources that they need. Um, to do this, we conduct needs assessments and then we co determine kind of the best way to target those needs with our key stakeholders. So, doctors, pathologists, people on the ground working in oncology. So, it really is a partnership between us and the people on the ground. And then, so I think one of our main forms of programming in recent years since COVID started is. These educational digital training programs, which are run by experts in the topics are co-determined by our hospitals. And this year alone, we've launched 18 digital training series, which were attended by thousands of people across the continent um, with lecture topics ranging from oncology nursing to specifically gynecological brachytherapy, various pathology topics like solid tumors, IHC, um, and then the publishing of case reports. And so, like I said, our programs have been attended by people all over the African continent and really actually globally as well. And we also do things like organizing mentorship relationships between departments at these hospitals and other experts abroad to help them build capacity with kind of guidance. Um, We coordinate in-person trainings on occasion as well, which is always very, very exciting to get someone on the ground and assisting. And then just generally connecting our contacts to the resources they need to build clinical oncology capacity.
0: That's, that's a big mission. Um, that sounds like logistical, organizational, absolutely integral stuff, which um, yeah, I hope I'm not selling my profession short, but sometimes as physicians, we're not maybe the best ones to do that also because we're very busy with yeah. the, our narrow focus of looking at our patients, yeah. right? But it's harder to do that background stuff. And um it's like being a quartermaster. It's it's wonderful. Um, so I know like you've sort of hinted at that one of your primary concerns is the ongoing cancer crisis in Africa. So um, can you just give us more information about that issue and how you all came to focus about that?
1: Yeah. So this issue was identified by the organization in 2017 and we launched the African Access Initiative, which we call AAI, which I, as you said, hinted out about Um, and this is to directly address the cancer crisis in Africa. So currently cancer actually kills more Africans than malaria and is expected that death rate is actually expected to increase by 2040, which is not great. Um, and despite this, the burden of cancer in Africa, the cancer control in these countries really lags behind that of countries like ours, which are high income countries. Mm
0: -hmm. And there's
1: a lot of factors that contribute to this, um, But I think the main point I like to point out, especially when discussing pathology, I work with a lot of pathologists at my hospitals, Mm -hmm. is the diagnostic pathology capacity is quite limited. So in 2012, there was a survey that found that there's one pathologist for about every 500,000 people in most African countries. And then some actually have about one pathologist for every 1 million people. Um, and in the U S we have about one pathologist for every 20,000 people. Oh, so wow. yeah, capacity is quite limited in that the diagnosis has to happen for treatment to occur. Sure. So it's it's really a big, um, kind of choke point in the process.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause you think about, you know, I, I've focused on, on I mean, if you don't want to take a very narrow issue that also involves cytology, um, just screening for cervical cancer in Africa looks a lot different than what we're used to in, you know, developed nations. Um, even having access to like a single pap smear, um, could be, you know, life-saving for these places. And, And I think about it as in terms of access to healthcare, but you're also saying that there's another bottleneck further down the, the pathway of having eyeballs to look at the slides and perhaps even like facilities, equipment, all that kind of stuff, which is, it sounds like the kind of stuff that you all are focusing on, which is great. Um, So I guess um, you also led into this question very nicely as well. Digital pathology, I mean, I feel like it's been having a revolution for a while now, but I think um, any th- any of the advances that were happening in digital pathology were accelerated by the COVID pandemic. Just as you know, three or four years ago, if somebody had told me that I would be proficient at using Zoom, I would have said, "What is Zoom?" You know, because I, I I didn't do this routinely. Um, uh, and I, I think there's also a shift in education happening, not just in places like Africa, but also in the United States. I think that you know, residents are learning differently than I did. A lot of re- lectures are online now; they're recorded. Um, so it sounds like your organization is trying to harness these tools to make equity, um, inclusion, these kinds of things um, better for um, the African continent. So do you want to talk about specifically how you all are, are doing that? And I think that will lead into nicely how BBGH is sort of um, partnering with the ASC. So you could sort of lead us through that.
1: Yeah, of course. So um, before I started at BVGH, I've been here a little over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the COVID pandemic hit in 2020, and that really jumpstarted the organization's uh, mm-hmm. digital programming. So coordinating these large-scale digital training programs, um, finding the experts, and then getting the word out to our contacts is really one of our main forms of programming now. So we have these. Large digital trainings, sometimes they're smaller form, like one-week series, but sometimes they're like a 14-week course on Zoom um, for all sorts of oncology topics. We've had solid tumor courses, we had a really cool IHC course, we had a smaller cervical can- cancer lecture series a couple of months ago, um, and then larger courses like Introduction to Cancer Treatment, which is super broad and hits a lot of the people working in oncology on the continent. And so for courses like that, we can get upwards of 1,000, 2,000 registrants, which usually translates to about 700 to 500 live attendees. But then, of course, we record them and put them on our YouTube, and people can then utilize that knowledge via YouTube. Um, And if they weren't able to connect or they want to reference it later, they have it, which is really awesome. And we found it to be really, really beneficial for our contacts.
0: Yeah.
1: For example, I've done special lectures for some of my contacts that were open to our network, but on a topic that someone specifically said that they would like more information on. Mm. Um, And then for some of these programs, we also do a virtual mentorship component. So we have platforms that allow our attendees, our participants, and our educators to interact and continue that knowledge exchange outside of the webinar. Um, And so this started in 2020, actually, we had a nine-week digital training program uh, to address digital pathology specifically, um, or diagnostic pathology, and it covered histopathology, immunohistochemistry, and the diagnosis of lymphomas, cervical, prostate, a bunch of different cancers were covered over the course. And then to kind of continue the, the education, we started a platform which allows everyone to talk still. Um, And we still post on it and we still have pathologists engaging Mm -hmm. on it. Um, We invite them to post interesting cancer cases that they may have. Um, We invite residents from the U.S. to post interesting cases and foster discussion. Um, And then just very recently last month, we actually hand-delivered microscope attachments to a number of our hospitals in Nigeria so that they could begin taking better quality photos of their slides to post on the virtual mentorship platform, but also just help with their workflow. Um, And so going forward, we're hoping to continue to develop these platforms, specifically our pathology platform. We're starting a few more for other disciplines um, and really just help our members with their continued professional development on various pathology topics, including cytopathology, of course.
0: Right. Right. So it sounds like the ASC is going to help you with this virtual mentorship platform, but also some other platforms. It seems like there's more of a general platform for almost like education. Um, so uh, I know you've already partnered with other pathology organizations, but you reached out specifically to the ASC to address the concerns about cytopathology. So can you talk specifically about um, how how someone from the ASC could become involved in this?
1: Yeah. So- Like you said, one of the ways we're hoping to grow this platform is through our partnership with ASC Mm -hmm. and a new ASC ambassador. So we're hoping to find a liaison between our organizations to help us foster this international knowledge exchange around cytopathology. Um, And then, you know, on the flip, this person will get the opportunity to engage with our really broad network of pathologists across the African continent. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah.
0: So the um it's my understanding that this ambassador could be um someone and, and I'll address this because I know you're not you're not in the medical field so I don't want to make you but it could be someone who's still in training it could be someone recently in practice or you know a more seasoned um, practice practitioner of pathology um to not only share cases on this virtual platform for educational purposes but also um, that some of the, folks you have on the ground in the African continent could be sharing cases with this person or with the network of people. And you could all be commenting on them together and learning and sort of giving and taking in that way. Is that pretty close to what we're doing? Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah and definitely, you know, um, alongside that, identifying and communicating opportunities to the network. Yeah. Um, and then we do develop a lot of digital trainings and mm-hmm. any involvement with that is always appreciated, helping us identify experts that might be right for a lecture
0: sure. um,
1: and things like that. You know, sometimes it might be a little more specific help chatting with our members when they have a specific issue right. in their labs.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so kind of acting like, as you said, like a liaison between the groups that you already have formed and sort of communicating and doing things in the African subcontinent with um, the ASC and sort of hooking up resources, not necessarily doing all these things yourself, but saying, oh, you know, this person has an expertise in the thing you're asking about. Maybe we could get them to help you with this one issue or give a lecture on this one issue or um, share a resource that maybe you already even know exists. Um, And you did one thing I did want to clarify is you have a YouTube channel, which I haven't checked out. So is is the material on there open to the general public? I assume that it is since that's it's on actually
1: unlisted. Um, um so you do have to have the link to access it. Okay. But we share the link pretty freely.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Well, we can uh we can talk later about how you want to share that if you really want to put it in the show notes or or something like that. But certainly um folks who are affiliated with the ASD um And we're helping to liaise these things could hook the people up with those resources because they would all be within the same network. Okay. Um, Yeah. So um, are there any other items that I've missed that you wanted to discuss today?
1: No, I think you covered them. Did you have any additional questions for me about what BVGH does and how we do it?
0: No, I just, um, as a physician um, who likes to focus on one problem at a time, I cannot imagine doing your job. So I just wanna thank you all for doing what you're doing because I think um, organizing something like this would just like shut my brain down because it would be too many things to think about. But I think it's so great that there are people who enjoy doing stuff like that because maybe doing my job would be not great for you. So I'm just glad that we're all working together and Mm -hmm. that um, we're gonna have this podcast ready in time for the national meeting this year, which is a collaborative meeting with the international society organizations as well. So I think we're gonna get the word out and hopefully- you all will get a bunch of good candidates to choose from. So I'm excited. Oh, and we should mention that we're going to link in the show notes to the application form. So if that's something you're interested in, um, it's a pretty simple Google Doc. So you can just fill in your information and then we will have... um, You can apply. And I think the um, BDGH folks and the ASC folks are going to work together to kind of um, decide on which candidate and how many candidates and things like that, that they'll approach after that. So.
1: Okay. Yeah. So anyone excited about, you know, getting more involved in a global pathology community,
0: we're Absolutely. happy. Absolutely. And it sounds like there's lots of opportunities to do, you know, individual interactions versus like connecting people. So a really good opportunity for anyone at any level of training, I think. So, I agree. okay. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to talk
0: to you. Yeah. Ditto. Thank you for listening to Pod. You can reach ASC on Twitter at Cytopathology or via email at ASC at Cytopathology.org.